AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. House and Senate leadership positions are being considered. We'll discuss what these roles might mean for the Farm Bill negotiations. It's Wednesday, and it is time for this week's Farmer Forum. We'll get crop reports from Iowa and North Dakota and find out where Bob and Mike want the next Congress to focus. Live from the on-ramp to hump day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with Tom Sell from Combest Sell & Associates. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Bob Hemasath and Mike Appert. And right after the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. So I'm putting together the outline for the conversation with one Mr. Tom Sell, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, we need to cover this, 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 and that. And if we get through the whole list today, it will be a small miracle. Which <laughs> which makes me think which makes me think that we're gonna have to get Tom just right back on the schedule for sometime next week oh. to wrap up this conversation because it's okay. I there's just Davis, there are so many unknowns. And and, and and you know what? No, I shouldn't say that many unknowns. There there is so much that I don't know about the makeup and the markup of the next Congress that we need to lean on people like Tom that have got a pretty good idea about how this is all going to play out and uh, try to get some kind of a running start on, on what to expect from this next Congress. So I, this, this is the time, the, the transition period that I get all wound up and wonky over politics it's not leading up to the elections it's after the elections and getting ready for the transition to the next congress that is is when it's really time to put in the work and really figure out what's going on next so i'm kind of excited you huh very excited and let me just tell you you know when you're looking for someone to lean on lean on me when you're every day brother when you're Every not day. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be long. You know, I do it every day. Every day, buddy. Every day. All right. Uh, and, of course, conversation with Mike from North Dakota, Bob from Iowa. Uh, these are a couple of biofuel crazy supporters. <laughs> and we okay. will- <laughs> we will we will get their opinions on what they think about uh, the next Congress and, and where the biofuel legislation should go. Okay, let's get to it. What you got in the news? Hey, we've got some more daily export sales reported by USDA. 150,000 tons of hard red spring wheat for delivery to Iraq in 22-23. And 1.8 million metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico split between 22-23 and the 23-24 marketing years. Chip, that corn sale to Mexico was the fifth largest daily corn sale on record. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. Um it and it you know it, it's still 650 corn. 
Mm-hmm. We need to remember that. So Mexico is a traditional traditional buyer. They're always coming to the U.S. for supplies, but they're also a value buyer. They will buy in bulk when they think the market's got value, and that's buying in bulk. Well, Polish President Andrzej Duda said on Wednesday that the missile blast that killed two people on Tuesday in Poland appears to have been an accident and not a deliberate attack, adding it was probably Ukrainian air defense. So apparently World War III is canceled, which is good. Put off for now. Yeah. Russia will likely extend the United Nations brokered export deal, allowing exports of grain and other farm products from Ukraine. Just ahead of expiration, United Nations leadership and Russian officials met on the sidelines of the G20 summit. Reuters says the two sides had a lengthy discussion and talked through all the aspects related to facilitating Russian exports of food and fertilizers, as well as the Black Sea Initiative. Yeah, the wheat market is under some pressure today. Call it 9 to 15 cents lower. And I think that's a market that is probably reflecting the the Polish missile headlines and the grain deal headlines. Well, Clean Fuels America Alliance wants the EPA to increase the advanced biofuels share of the fuel market by 1 billion gallons per year to reflect the rising interest in renewable diesel production. The recommendations would raise the federal mandate for second-generation biofuels by over 7.6 billion gallons in 2024. That's a 36% increase from this year, Chip. I understand the push there, but I think the market is in position and driving the demand for renewable diesel. I I said it at the start of the RFS. I, w- I wonder what the demand might be if there was no RFS and we just mm. let biofuels demand grow on its own merit. Well, Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst are asking U.S. Trade Ambassador Catherine Tai to bring a dispute settlement action against Mexico under the USMCA as Mexico inches toward banning GMO corn. Grassley noted this. The Trade Representative Office has uh, responded and said that they're monitoring the situation, just monitoring a situation that affects 630 million bushels of corn. That's not good enough for the family farmer. It's not good enough for me. Well, there you go, Chip. Yeah. Iowa has set another record for farmland sales. 73 acres of high-quality farmland in Sioux County sold for $30,000 per acre at auction on November 11. Chip, a local farmer was the buyer. Uh, Another recent auction saw 116 acres of southeast Nebraska farmland sell for $27,004 per acre. Yeah, that's Those are big numbers. And finally, the American Farm Bureau Federation released its annual survey on the cost of a typical Thanksgiving Day meal. Chip, going to cost the average consumer around 20% more than last year. Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good morning, Chip. Okay, it must be Challenges Week here on AgriTalk. We talked about the challenges that dairy farmers faced yesterday. So let's talk about the challenges that ag retailers are dealing with. Yeah, so I just was able to pose that question to Ken Zuckerberg. He's an analyst with CoBank, and he would distill it down to three, and that is economic uncertainty, volatility, and labor challenges. But really, while we are talking about challenges, Ken also reminds that chaos and risk present opportunity for those who are able to adopt a growth-oriented mindset. And so this full interview with Ken from CoBank is available on the Scoop podcast. He has a lot more insights and currently 
including what's going on with cryptocurrency. But Ken will also be on the agenda at the upcoming ARA Conference and Expo. So that's taking place November 29th to December 1st. It's really the leading gathering for ag retailers from across the country taking place in San Diego. Folks can find out more at aradc.org. I'm also on the agenda talking about the ag retailer of the future and presenting some research with our friends at Aimpoint. So we look forward to being together with everybody in San Diego. Yeah. You know, the chaos is a bit of a twist that when there's opportunity out of chaos. But if you can hold someone's hand and lead them out of chaos into a, a, a stable situation, what an opportunity that is. I think we're all looking and clinging toward what stability we can find, what the sure thing is that we can find as we head into this new crop year. Definitely, Chip. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, Margie, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right, get more on that report from Margie Echelkamp at www.thedailyscoop.com. Okay, you know, I would like to say that the elections are settled. Let me check my Google machine one more time. No, the House has not yet been declared uh, majority one way or the other yet, but it's leaning GOP and leaning hard that way. What's that mean for the Farm Bill? Tom Sell, up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, It is time to look forward. The looking back, there's still some looking back that needs to happen, but... Let's look forward, and to help us do that is Tom Sell, Combest Sell and Associates. Tom, it's good to talk with you again. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Hey, Chip Flory, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that like you are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's like I said at the open of the show, this is the time that I really get cranked up uh, on on watching what's going on in D.C., because we don't have the final results in, but I've been told by enough people now that 218 is going to happen for yeah. the GOP that I think that we can go ahead and, and move forward with this. So the slim majority for the GOP in the House, what does it mean going forward? And I guess what 
when I when I'm asking about the slim majority, I guess what I'm really asking is what's the difference between a 218 majority and say a 230 or or more majority? Is there any difference? Yeah, it's a great question, Chip. Um, these are fun times, a lot of drama playing out. Obviously, we have a very, uh, by design, inefficient form of government. A lot of you know people are supposed to be at each other's throats and fighting for their positions and, and their viewpoints. And, and we're seeing all that drama playing out right now, even in kind of the, the potential for Kevin McCarthy, the, the, the current yeah. Republican leader, to be uh, elected Speaker of the House. So we'll see more of that drama as we go. To your question, um, yeah, I'd say uh, getting a majority is is the key to pass anything. You have to get 218 votes. Democrats tend to be very good at, at asserting party discipline. And I think that's because most Democrats are, you know, they're progressives. They're wanting something new. So half a loaf is always better than the full loaf. With Republicans, they're just famously, um, you know, they're kind of uh, doing nothing as a conservative. Not change, No change is most of the time better than kind of any kind of uh, change or, or doing something. So it's just always harder for Republicans to wrangle uh, a majority. Now, as it relates to, um, and, and so having more people on your side is is going to be better than than a than a very slim majority. With when it comes to agriculture, though, and the farm bill, I'd say our lane has always been the bipartisan middle. You know, the more pragmatic legislators on both the Democratic and the and the Republican side, and piecing together a majority to get through the House. I don't think we've never had a fully partisan farm bill. It always requires so many Republicans or so many Democrats with 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 others from the other side in tow. So I think the practical implications for agriculture aren't all that significant. Um, uh, okay. Slim majority is is really no worse than a significant majority. Maybe that's because I'm always a glass half full guy and I, t I tend to be an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> there is a path forward and, and I just don't think it makes that big of a difference. Okay. All right, we're going to get into some of those details here in just a second. Um, yeah. McCarthy, will he get the speaker's job, do you think? I think he will. Those who are okay. opposing him just don't really have an alternative, and and he's well-liked. I think what you're seeing playing out is kind of people doing their negotiations in public. They're holding out for some commitment to do this or that, but I think he'll be able to line up the votes uh, just because there's there's no alternative that I can see who could who could muster nearly as many votes as McCarthy. Okay. You know, your comment about the farm bill being a bipartisan effort, I think that's the the way that it has been because it's so important and there is so much at risk it, when yeah. we're talking about the nation's food security yeah. and, and the nutrition programs. Uh, Tom, it, I, that's the reason that it's bipartisan, right? It is. And, and it's also, you know, even if you're of the camp that says, you know, the the Title One and Title Eleven Farm Bill crop insurance or the or the safety net and crop insurance and conservation programs, those are the real drivers. Those are the real motivating force for the farm bill. After all, food stamps, it's a permanent law. It doesn't even need to be reauthorized. It doesn't have to be part of the farm bill. It's been brought on for those other reasons. But the driver, the big political motivator is farm country. What's going on in farm country? And the fact is, Chip, that there just aren't many members of Congress who represent significant chunks of right. farm country. There's about 75 out of 435 that have significant agricultural constituencies uh, from the farm from the farmer side, which is where most of the motivation comes from. So even in that scenario, you're you're having to bring in coalitions of you know urban voters, suburban voters with rural voters. 
Um, you you got to just piece together whoever you can to vote for this. And look, we've been doing a great job of that. Even in the 25 years that I've been involved in agricultural politics, you know, the, the O2 farm bill that I was a big part of, it, it passed by very narrow margins. The last farm bill passed with 81% of the vote in both the House and the Senate. So the ag community has done a better job of building these coalitions, but it still requires that, that kind of bipartisan uh, piecing together of, of, of very various and varied interests. And that's where you know, food stamps historically, uh, or the SNAP benefits, the nutrition title of the Farm Bill, has wisely been coupled with uh, uh, the, the, the Title I crop insurance, yeah. conservation uh, part portions, the research yeah. and rural development that are so important to rural America. Yep. Okay. Representative mm-hmm. Glenn Thompson from Pennsylvania will be the yeah. chairman of the House Ag Committee. Um, he is exceptionally capable, I think, of negotiating the the next farm bill. Will he get enough support to get a bill done in 2023 or, or odds on that we're going to get an extension? Uh, I'm totally with you, Chip. Uh, not only extremely capable, but also just extremely likable and a hard worker. He's been touring all over the U.S., um, will he be able to get a coalition? I, I really think the biggest question right now, Chip, is will they be able to make a case for some additional money that could come in? Right. Kind of grease the skids for the farm bill. The fact is our Title I baseline has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk with, with higher commodity prices generally, even though profitability may not be uh, uh, even as good as it was coming into the last farm bill. Uh, because of the high input costs, because of the inflationary impacts that are affecting producers every day, uh, both land costs, labor costs, uh, fuel fertilizer, all those things, profitability may not be there, but because the prices are high, the Title yeah. I baseline has diminished greatly. If you were just to restore the baseline that, say, the 18 Farm Bill or the 14 Farm Bill passed with uh, in Title I, you would have you would put new money into the system. That kind of new money would grease the skids to actually write more relevant farm policy for the future, hopefully avert the need for ad hoc assistance in the future. You know, we've paid out $60 billion uh, yep. since the 18 Farm Bill was passed in outside of the Farm Bill ad hoc spending. That was... MFP, CFAP, uh, and then disaster programs. Uh, if you can write, you know, get a budget allocation up front to write policy uh, that would that would uh, take away the need to do those ad hoc kind of more expensive, more costly yep. back end supplements. Uh, that I think is the grease that this farm bill needs to actually go somewhere in 2023. And I know that GT is okay. making that case. Uh, that'll play out in the first quarter of next year. And, and of course, all the commodity groups have gotten on board with right. that. Um, there's right. a letter that was signed by 45 groups um, just last week. It was sent up to the Congress that I think makes a very compelling case for, you know, saving money on the back end by budgeting for and making an allocation for writing better farm policy on the front end. Okay. Okay. we got to kind of go rapid fire here. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of issues. To, you talked about funding and the and the the Title One reference prices are looking pretty low right now. Is there going to be funding to raise those reference prices? Very low. I think there's got to be chip. Uh, if not, then I think we're going to be back in the soup of ad hoc and uh, probably extensions okay. in the farm. Okay, the ad hoc disaster payments. You said it. Boy, they've become very common. 
Are they replacing crop insurance as a priority in Congress? I don't think so. Con- uh, crop insurance is still the, the the bedrock, the cornerstone of the safety net. All the ad hoc has been built on top of it with, with ties to encourage future purchases. I think crop insurance is still the foundation. It really, it's in so many ways, it's it's much more relevant than either Title I. And certainly it's the basis for any ad hoc that's been done in the last few years. And I think it will remain the cornerstone. Okay. Commodity Credit Corporation. It's been dubbed the ATM for USDA Secretary <laughs> Tom Vilsack, uh, especially the way that USDA used the CC funds to promote the climate smart farming efforts. Is, is the GOP controlled house going to try to rein that in? There will be some, but but look, Trump used it uh, before before yeah. President Biden, Secretary Vilsack. So Sonny Purdue, also when you look at MFP and CFAP, um, those were all those all used CFAP funds to a much greater extent than anything that Vilsack has done. Vilsack has done a lot of little programs, kind of gets this this ATM joke going. Uh, but look, I, I think I think the ag committees will want to assert more jurisdiction. They want to be more relevant in the policies that affect rural America. So they'll they'll try and work with the secretaries to to use this in the farm bill debate to to make that case for additional money up front so they can write better policy. I think that's how it, where it goes. Excellent, excellent, Tom. We need to stay in contact because when you get stuff figured out as we're going forward with this, I'd sure like to hear it from you, and I know our listeners would too. That's Tom Sell, Combest Sell and Associates. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian grady Beach. The sellers are leaning on the soy complex here. What's going on? Yeah, soy oil, uh, heavy losses there, Chip, uh, leading us to the downside. So the crude oil market's under heavy pressure, and, and that's spilling over into soy oil, which that pressure is spilling over into soybeans and soy meal. But really, it's just a, a broad-based sell-off across the soy complex this morning. Uh, now, keep in mind, we had all that whipsaw price action late in the day yesterday with the uh, Russian missile or, or the missile that, that went into Poland and, and all that stuff. So we've, we've taken all that out and, and then some. Uh, the pressure on the soy complex is also being felt uh, across the grain markets uh, with wheat under pressure uh, being led lower by the SRW contracts. And the corn market, it's under pressure despite a, a really big uh, daily export sale to Mexico this yeah. morning, the fifth largest daily sale on record. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that we're not seeing a better reaction from the from the buyers in that corn market. Uh, but, hey, we've been looking for demand. Demand shows up and must have been built into the market earlier. Take us over to the livestock trade. I, feeder cattle are responding 
for the to the to the pressure on corn. Yeah, uh, so we're trading to the upside, just uh, moderate gain, so yeah. uh, nothing too spectacular uh, given the uh, the pressure on corn. But uh, um, you know, at least it's trading to the upside, and live cattle futures are too. Uh, expectations are that we'll see firmer cash cattle trade, though that may wait until late in the week uh, because Packers are buying for a shortened slaughter schedule next week, and we have the cattle on feed report Friday afternoon, so that usually delays cash negotiations anyway. Uh, hog market this morning steady to yeah. a little bit weaker. Um, uh, not much going on in that market, really, to be honest with you. All right, Brian. Thank you, buddy. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Farmer Forum is 60 seconds away. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. And in case you were wondering, yes, we are live, in fact, right now, unless you're listening later. Never mind that. Your pal, Davis Michelson here, AgriTalk. Uh, Chip's fixing to set off our weekly farmer forum, but first, let's sneak in today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Let's go to Northeast Iowa, Buchanan County. Chip, uh, some mm-hmm. some folks enjoyed an embarrassment of riches when it came to rainfall. <laughs> this farmer says, quote, corn averaged 233.9 per acre across all acres with soybeans at 67.8. Not overly happy with the results. Sometimes yeah. too much rain is worse than dry conditions. Yields were typical for Northeast Iowa, a little better than average, with the occasional field, which hit an all-time high. Yields in the fields brought to you by Microwave Essentials from the good folks at Mosaic. Chip. All right. Thank you, Davis. Yeah, Bob Hemeseth is from Northeast Iowa. Let's bring him into the conversation and get today's Farmer Forum started. Bob, welcome back to AgriTalk. How are you? Good, Chip. How are you? Thanks for having me. You bet. You know, I don't know if it was an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the rainfall in northeast Iowa, but I think the assessment of the uh, of Davis's yield in the field report is is kind of typical of what we heard through northeast Iowa. Yeah, it was good, but it's it, it wasn't really what we expected it to be. Um I yeah, in our situation on our farm, um where I have to, we had places where we had just too much moisture and not enough sunshine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we had good yields, uh, but we had the windstorm in July that, uh, by half our acres got hit, um, with some damage, some green snaps, some down corn. So that took the top off of that. But where, where the, where, where I would say our farms were in the best ideal, I had some really, really good corn. So uh, I won't complain. We had we had good yields. Good. We're probably going to be about about uh, about average. We got a couple hundred acres to go, so I'm hoping we can get that done here in the next few days. But the snow is not helping that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, you, you know, I was thinking earlier today, Bob. I think the last time that you were on the Farmer Forum, it was either the next day or two days later. You got hit with that windstorm. What on July twentieth? And uh, uh, took some pretty took some pretty serious damage to the bin site, didn't you? 
Yeah, um, we lost uh, 300,000 bushels of storage roughly and uh, two grain legs, so we haven't been able to mix feed or all our corn's gone to the co-op this fall, so it's been a it's been a different fall, put it that way. Yeah, so. yeah I imagine. Yeah. Um, I- any luck in replacing what what you've got or what's uh, – I don't want to say it's a holdup because it wasn't that long ago, but what's the process? Well, so we're actually right now I got a crew here. We're taking down, uh, we're taking down some of the older bins, smaller bins, and uh, the bins that were left that were good. Now we're in the wrong spot. So as we rebuild, so we we got a plan to kind of rebuild, uh, but we got to get. To, we're hoping to get these bins down here uh, in the next ten days, and then we're going to hopefully get the cement broken up yet before before it gets really cold and then we'll hopefully be ready to start in the spring but we kind of got a plan but we don't have anything ordered or anything along those lines um that's on the actually i'm gonna make a phone call after i get done here to maybe (laughs) touch base again so good deal good deal all right bob uh stay tuned here and and, uh, let's bring in mike appert from north dakota into the conversation mike welcome back to the farmer forum how are you man Doing good, Chip. Doing good. Good. What's your status up in North Dakota? Have you got things wrapped up? Yeah, we finished last Monday before the storm. So uh, then we got kind of stormed in central North Dakota, south central North Dakota. Here we got about 20 inches of snow. So we're wintered in. (laughs) Yes, you certainly are. And, I mean, it got cold and windy when that stuff came in, didn't it? Well, yeah, we've been fighting some extraordinary winds, you know, this fall like normal. And there was actually quite a bit of damage. I think Western North Dakota, the wind uh, did some damage to the standing corn. So I think yields in Western North Dakota got hurt. And uh, But I think North Dakota had a pretty fair crop. The, the east, the Red River Valley, that was a nice crop. And uh, Central North Dakota was kind of an average crop. But, of course, our crop is about half of what the Northeast Iowa guys have, <laughs> and uh, but that's a that's a crop for us. And so I think you know, as a whole, North Dakota got hurt a little bit as you move west. You know, we we got good rain this spring. We were really wet, got started late. Yeah. Then yeah. July eighth was the last rain we had, and we just had a really dry stretch all fall, late summer and fall. But the yeah. sunflower crop was really good. It liked that late season dryness, so the sunflower crop was the the best we've ever seen. But uh, some of the soybeans and edible beans and stuff got hurt because of the late season dryness. But overall, probably close to an average crop in North Dakota, and uh, um, just enjoying the the decent prices and nice basis, I guess. Yeah, that late start combined with the dry stretch that you had. An average crop, I, I don't know that anybody was planning on on the crop getting up to average this this mm-hmm. year. Were you kind of pleasantly surprised by what you got? Well, I think the state overall is probably average, and I think, yeah, it is a pleasant surprise. Of course, there's some areas that were worse. But, you know, we, we were trying to come out of a pretty bad drought last year. So we've been trying to claw our way out of that drought we had last year. And the drought we had last year was probably the worst we'd seen since about 88. So it was bad. And so we're trying to claw our way out. Well, then we got all that spring moisture kind of delayed planting. And then uh, it looked really good, And then, uh, but late. And then it just kind of quit raining uh, in central and western North Dakota. And that trim yields back a little bit. But I think the east, eastern half of the state, I think uh, – made up for it it's it's probably as a whole pretty close to an average crop statewide right okay 
Okay. Uh, I want to talk about last week's elections just a little bit here, guys. And, Bob, I'll start with you because we talk about how um, the the red wave or Republican wave across the country failed to develop this year. In Iowa, I, it, it seemed like the Republican wave was pretty much in full force, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting how you look at uh, uh, Iowa, for example, Florida, for example, compared to the rest of the country. And it's interesting how you had those pockets of the red wave where it didn't really materialize over the rest of the country like uh, some of the pollsters thought it would. So it's an interesting um, I know there's going to be a lot of conversations about it and what happened and what didn't happen. But it it's interesting to see how. To me, how uh, the differences in, in regions or states and politics um, and how that uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of interesting. Oh, I would say aspects to it of, of differences in how voters voted in, in their thought yep. process, I guess, is what, I, what I'm kind of trying to sort through. Yeah, I everybody guess. the the what. What the pundits thought going into the election would be the focus of voters when they got when they sat down and started filling in the ovals mm-hmm. on their ballot, what what was really driving their vote, it, it turned out to be different than what what they thought it was going to be going into it. Mike, did you is, is that something that you kind of took from the from last week's elections? Well, I suppose, you know, I'm just glad, you know, that the Republicans took the House. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, we're going to write a farm bill here and, and uh, we got our Senator John Hoven reelected and I believe he'll chair the Agriculture Appropriations Committee. And I think he's uh, second uh, an egg authorization. So as we write a farm bill, I'm kind of glad it's I'm hopeful it's going to be about farming. Right. So we're going to have a farm bill about actual agriculture and not. I was, I was afraid we were going to do some kind of a flip into a weird climate change scenario, which I just okay. don't know if I'm, I just don't know if I would like that, you know, but so I think, I think, you know, taking the house was important. Uh, we got our, our Hoven Senator reelected, which is good. So North Dakota is going to have a lot of input into writing the farm bill. And I believe it's going to be, you know, agricultural based and not climate based, which, which I think is going to be better. Interesting. I'm, I'm kind of glad that, that that turned out. Yeah, Mike makes a good point there, Bob. Because if there was one title in in the farm bill that had an opportunity to be evolution, excuse me, revolutionary rather than evolutionary, it was that conservation title. This might might make it so that it is more evolutionary and and building on programs that are already in place. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, real interesting as we move forward with the farm bill. Is as if if the if it holds as predicted that the Republicans control the House and the Democrats have the Senate at least with the Vice President casting the deciding vote. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how they come down on this. To me, I think it um, from a farm bill standpoint, I think it's as Mike had mentioned. I think it's good, and in that we get we get more of a uh, a. Uh, a farm bill that comes from both sides because they're going to have to work together to get this done. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the, uh, the, 
there, we're going to have to have some true negotiators, some some yes. real uh, – uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the negotiation is going to take place between the rural and the urban lawmakers on this because of the nutrition title of the bill. I, I, there's just yep. no getting yep. around that. It, it, right, guys? Part of – yeah. Yeah, part of that, too, is um, um, I think uh, from from one aspect, uh, you know, that in the past when we've had uh, Republican control, there's always been talk about removing that nutrition yeah. part of it. And and we do not want that. That's not. No. We might not get a farm bill at all if that happens. So that's I think exactly that's good right, Bob. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. Good point. All right. We're talking with Bob Hemesath from Iowa, Mike Appert from North Dakota. Let's talk corn trade and biofuels next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Farmer Forum. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We are talking with Bob Hemeseth from Iowa, Mike Appert from North Dakota. Bob, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, Mexico is talking about banning imports of GMO corn. Now, uh your your senators, your U.S. senators, Grassley and Ernst, have asked U.S. Trade Re- Ambassador Catherine Tai to uh, to initiate a dispute settlement under mm-hmm. the USMCA agreement. Is it? it yeah. Grassley's tired of waiting for some action on this. Is what it sounds like to me. Um, you know. Uh, we, at the National Corn Growers Association, we've been asking this question for quite a while. We've been pushing uh, U.S. Trade Representative Ty to, to launch this trade dispute. Um, I don't know what the I, – I, I'm really kind of baffled as why they won't do it. There's obvious – they are obvious – Mexico is obviously in um, – not in compliance with the rules that were set yeah. for – in in USMCA on on number one on GMO corn and and them talking about rejecting it, but also on their uh, not approving any uh, um, new seeds or biotech events uh, or even uh, reissuing approval. They're just denying them with no science or anything, and that both those things are in, are in direct. Uh, violation directly against what's violation exactly of of USMCA. So I don't know why this uh, why we're so hesitant to launch this trade dispute. Yeah, I'm not sure why either. And when you look at what's going on down in Mexico, Mike, it seems like it's one guy's opinion based on his 
you know, based on, well, GMOs must be bad because they're not natural. GMOs, this is an argument that took place 20 years ago when I thought we were past. Yeah, I did too. I didn't expect it from Mexico. You know, it's been kind of a Europe-based thing where they had the luxury of uh, all kinds of grain that could be fussy or picky or whatever you want to say. And it, it's sad how it got shoved into Africa where they're not, they don't have that luxury, right? But somehow Europe shoved it into Africa and then pretty soon they were non-GMO and they thought starvation was a better option. But yeah, I thought it was gone too. I thought it was fast, but uh, here we are. Here we are. And it is time for Ty, uh, Ambassador Ty, to take this up and get a result because I, the the deadline on this is in 2024, I believe. We're making yep, decisions yep. right right now on what crops might be in 2024. And if if Mexican importers want to continue to import corn from the U.S., they're going to have to get into small, niche, unique deals with producers, aren't they, Bob? Well, let's let's just look at it this way. Uh, you, you're hitting the nail right on the head with the, with the, uh, decisions and seed. You know, ninety, I think roughly ninety percent of the of the seed planted in the United States corn crop is is GMO of some yeah. sort. So yeah. you tell me where we're where we're going to find number one if we were if we were to uh, decide that we wanted to plant non-GMO, we aren't going to have the seed number one, and number two, um, uh, why are we even? Uh, it's not even feasible, and I don't even know where they would find it elsewhere. Yeah, in the I, world. I don't know how they're going to source you know, it either. Yeah, yeah. So I, boy, it sure, and it I sure seems like a big step backwards, doesn't it? Here, I mean, doesn't this yeah. just seem like one big step backwards? <laughs> it I think certainly the thing, does. Mike, to your point, I think the thing that I, that that I would stress with this administration, um, they really want. You know, we we talked about climate change or climate initiatives or whatever you want to call them that, they, that they're focusing on from the USDA and, and other areas. Um, we need these tools. We need GMO. We need Roundup. We need all those things to, to meet what they want us to do. Yeah. We're not going to be able to no-till. We're not going to be able to do those things without those tools. So I find it kind of uh, ironic that we're, we're, we're hesitant to fight on this, but we're pushing forward on the Bob, other initiatives knowing Bob, we need they, these tools. They don't know that. They don't know that that the system, all the components, all the tools work together to give them what they want. They don't know that. They think so that they can okay. that that they can just very simply say, "Well, we want what we've got, but we want it without some of this other stuff that we think is bad." It oh. it doesn't happen that way. It just no, it doesn't. It, it, no, it doesn't. It blows me away. No, okay, real quick, Mike, on the biofuels. On the biofuels, we got some deadlines coming up at the end of the month. The expectations are that we're going to get some big help there, and and even on the renewable diesel side, maybe looking for some some push in blending requirements going forward. I okay, I'm I'm never going to turn away the help. I guess to help build that market. But I think the renewable diesel market has enough support that it that 
it's going to grow on its own, isn't it? Yeah, I would expect it would. You know, it's kind of driven by the low-carbon fuel standards. You take big consumers like California, and they're pushing it. And so I think there's demand there. The question with all this, uh, you know, ethanol and, you know, this diesel, what's weird about it is the big hard push on electric and how fast the electric is going to deteriorate demand from some of these biofuels. It's going to be kind of an interesting play. I'm, I'm not sure how it all turns out, but man, they just want to be aggressive on electric. It's really aggressive, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so I, I'm not sure where that ends up. Yeah. Big, big uh, deadline coming up at the end of the month, Bob, on the RVOs. Yep. Definitely. So we're, yep. we'll hope for good news there. So. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, fellas. Hey, be safe out there with what you got to get done. Bob, good luck getting that, the rest of that crop in. I'm sure you'll get her done, buddy. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All Thanks right. for the opportunity. All right, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon as well. Thanks, Mike. You bet. All right. That is Bob Hemisath in Iowa. Mike Appert in North Dakota. Okay. I got to hit the road. I'm going to be gone uh, this afternoon, tomorrow, Friday morning. That means that Davis is going to keep the conversation going this afternoon. He's going to have a conversation with guest analyst Ted Seifert from Zaner Ag Hedge right here on Agritalk.